So you're very welcome today to episode 27 of A Home with Breffney and today we have kind of an unusual tale of birthday cakes, uh, double junior and senior cup rugby wins for Blackrock College and a curious structure that's been catching my eye as I've driven out the rock road um, for the last couple of years. It's kind of a handsome and unusual thing and I've tracked down the very person who has a responsibility for this structure and Francis can you tell me you are CI structures is that right that's correct Brittany yeah and am I right in thinking you are the man behind this kind of moon colored interesting structure that I see behind Blackrock College on my travels uh, yes um, we uh, represent a company called Sprung Structures right which is a company that is based in Calgary in Canada mm-hmm. it's a family-run business and they've been in business since 1887 Wow. Uh, and um, the this building system uh, in North America is used for everything from casino complexes and churches mm-hmm. to prisons, warehouses, aircraft hangars, uh, schools, um, everything really except domestic accommodation. Okay. These, these buildings are, are used for it. Right. The, the original application for this uh, um, was... Um, to provide accommodation for men who worked in the mining industry in northern ah, Canada. Okay. So these buildings had to be able to withstand hurricane force winds, meters of snow, minus 50 degree temperatures. Uh, and uh, they are um, they are what's known as a tensioned fabric structure. Okay. So back in January 2012, your phone rang. Is that right? You were sitting in your office and... Well, I think I'll just tell you where we came across the the system originally. Yeah, sure. Okay, so back in the day, uh, myself and my colleague Michael um, had a business organising conferences. Ah. And we had a contract to organise a number of conferences for the government of Bahrain. Okay? Right, okay. So where's where's this going? Well done. (laughs) Okay, so basically it was promoting Bahrain as the financial centre of the Gulf region and trade between Bahrain and Japan. Uh, um, conferences on, on Islamic banking which is the type of banking they have in the Middle East and so on right. so we had a contact in the government there who facilitated these things these events and we organised them for him Yeah. Uh, and uh, in the mid 90s he rang us and said that uh, it was around the time the second Jurassic Park film came out okay, oh. so you're going to have to bear with me here right okay, okay. okay right <laughs> uh, and um, second Jurassic Park film came out and he said that everybody in Bahrain was going mad for anything dinosaur related okay. and that we should hire an exhibition mm-hmm. and bring it out there and he would help get the government to sponsor it and Coca-Cola to sponsor it and all that kind of stuff oh. so that was a nice call to get well it was a nice call to get we just had to find a dinosaur exhibition right but lo and behold so dinosaurs we, birthday cakes and rugby are what exactly. we're talking about there you today. go uh, so the, the um, lo and behold the, there was a dinosaur exhibition running in nowhere else but Dublin Zoo okay good lord so Dublin Zoo ran uh, an event uh, um, uh, called uh from a from an American company called Dynamation, right, uh, which was an enormous success in Dublin Zoo at the time, mm-hmm. uh, like a huge event, mm-hmm. and uh, hundreds of thousands of people went to see it, and I think the zoo made a lot of money. So we contacted the the company in California and said, mm-hmm. "Look, you have a you have an exhibition running in Dublin Zoo. We'd like to bring it out to the Middle East and and run it out there for three months or four mm-hmm. months or something like that." So we did a deal with them to bring it out, mm-hmm. uh, but we had to house it in something. Right. So the government gave us the equivalent of St. Stephen's Green to host it in, but hey, find your own building. Right. So Sprung Structures actually have a depot in uh, in Bahrain. Right. So we came across them out there and uh, we rented one of their structures for, I think, four or five months, uh-huh. ran the event, 
made a few euro, whatever, pounds, whatever, and came back home again. So after that event, we contacted Sprung mm-hmm. in Calgary and said, you know, hey, we're ringing from, um, we're ringing from uh, Ireland. And the person at the other end of the phone was saying, Iowa? Uh, I was saying, no, no, Ireland, Europe. And really, they didn't, weren't quite sure where yeah. we were talking about. Yeah. In any event, we got an agency to represent Sprung here uh, uh-huh. in initially in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it took us several years to get our first building up. But the first building we put up was at the K Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, the K Club were building a new golf course, a second golf course in the clubhouse wasn't going to be completed until roughly 12 months after the golf course opened. Uh-huh. So they needed somewhere for people to change their shoes and have a coffee and right. uh, whatever, get changed and things like that. So they put a structure up there, which is still there to this day. Huh. Uh, and from that, then uh, we did a job. Was it a big structure? Is there a minimum size? Uh, the, 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 the spans range from 9 metres wide oh. to 48.8 metres wide. Okay. So 48 metres, 160 feet wide. Yeah. And it's a modular system, so it can be as long as you like. Right. Uh, and um, so one school led to another school to another school, and and that's really uh, the, the principal network is a is a powerful network, and they talk to each other and they share okay. information. Okay, so somehow you jumped the the sprout jumped from the K club to a school to a school. Yes, and then off we were, and then off okay. we went on. on uh, Excellent. So we're back to, so congratulations for starters. That's a highly entrepreneurial day, isn't it? A dinosaur. So we've got the dinosaurs out of the way. Now the yeah. birthday cake has to oh, come yeah. along. Okay. So, so, so basically um, the phone rang in the office one day and I got a call. And this is January 2012. No, no, no this, was, this was probably 2011. 11, maybe, right, early, early, mm-hmm. mid 2011. And I got a call from, um, uh, answered the phone and said, can I speak to Francis Fullen? I said, speaking. And, and he said, my name is Alan McGinty. I'm the principal of Blackrock College. Mm-hmm. Um, are you related to a father, Joe Fullen, who mm-hmm. was a priest in Blackrock? So I said, yes, he's my uncle. And he had been a priest there for about 50 years. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, oh, um, um, he's your uncle. He said, did you know his birthday was, and I think he said the 10th of December. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, no idea his birthday was the 10th of December. Mm-hmm. And he said, well... He said, my own father's birthday was the 10th of December and my second son's birthday was the 10th of December. And for the last six or seven years of your uncle's life, he used to come out to our house and we'd have three birthday cakes, one for my father, one for my son and one for your uncle, Joe. Um, now, can you come out and talk to us about one of your buildings uh, for a sports hall? <laughs> it was meant so, to be. At this stage, you were feeling very confident well, going well, on. Well, was, uh, uh, I had actually three uncles in the Holy Ghost, so there was, uh, okay. they, they'd, they'd paid their right. dues right. Uh, and they were up there uh, rattling the prayer wheel for me. Um, so we went out to see Black Rock, uh, and they in turn then went to visit. What was uh, Black Rock's problem? What made them pick up the phone? Okay, so Black Rock is uh, one of the largest, most prestigious boys' schools in the country. Uh, very proud uh, sporting heritage, particularly rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had a very, very small gym, uh, which was really, I think, doubled up as, a, as the sort of the uh, the assembly hall, something mm-hmm. like that. So it was kind of the school had outgrown it massively. Uh, I think during the boom times they had they had got designs for a, a sports hall which kind of ran to multiple multiple millions yeah. as far as I can gather, and then uh, obviously the economy uh, sort of there was a downturn yeah. and uh, they sort of they they basically started looking around for for an alternative. Mm-hmm. So they contacted us uh, and uh, in turn then they went to visit uh, St Patrick's in Navan, which mm-hmm. is. Uh, 
um, Colm O'Rourke, very well-known footballer, mm-hmm. the principal up there, and he mm-hmm. and, and Alan McGinty would know each other. Uh, they went to visit them almost immediately after my initial mm-hmm. meeting with BlackRock, and they then re-engaged with us the following week to say, okay. look, we've been up Navin there. Because Navin has one up there. Navin has had one for, for I think, the building in Navin, I think, went up in maybe 2009 or 2010. Right. Uh, and Colm uh, has been very pleased with it, and the school has got great value out of it, mm-hmm. and the community... Uh, and the county football teams, I think, have all got great use out of it. Right. So he was he was pleased to uh, to, to share that information with BlackRock, and, and clearly we were pleased that he did so also. Okay. So BlackRock had a need, and they had a, a, a much less gung-ho budget than they had anticipated during the boom years, because we're now past the boom years. They want to get this thing done, but at a fraction of the cost, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know the, the, exactly what budgets they were working on, but I, I just know from my own experience of being the chair of a board of management, you don't necessarily want to take on more debt than you, than you have to. Right. Uh, and if there are alternatives out there, well then try for those. Right. So am I right in thinking you came in significantly less than in a, a bricks and mortar structure? Well, I, I don't know exactly how much uh, the alternative uh, mm-hmm. structure was, but uh, I was told that... Uh, we were about half or sixty percent of the cost of the right. uh, of the original. So um, you know uh, that that was really the the starting point for the school. Okay, so just in, so and also it sounds like a, a bricks and mortar building is likely to be maybe take a longer time or not. Well, just to to, to um, uh, explain the the. These buildings need uh, planning permission, they need fire certification, okay. disability access certs, exactly the same way as any other conventional building. Right. Uh, to anchor them, uh, you need to put in um, a, a standard ring beam and foundation. Right. Because of the lightweight nature of the aluminium stru- substructure of a sprung building, mm-hmm. uh, the foundations that are required to anchor the building are a fraction of what would be required for a conventional building where you're using ah. steel and concrete and okay. so you need a very substantial um, uh, ring beam or foundation for that type of structure okay. in order to get the necessary height and clearances for a sports hall. Right. With our structure, because it's an aluminium structure and aluminium is much lighter mm-hmm. than steel, um, the foundations that are required are much less. Okay, so you uh, get presumably slightly cheaper foundations. Absolutely, than, significantly yeah. cheaper foundations. Okay. So. The, the foundations were completed uh, the second half, or I think November, December of, of uh, 2011. And did you have to specify the foundations? Like, did you have to work with the guys who were laying the foundations to tell them what you needed? How did that work? What Sprung do is uh, they are a company that are, they're nothing if not conservative. Right. So every structure that they build, sorry, that they sell, yeah. um, is designed specifically for a particular location. And by that I mean... What's the wind loading and what's the snow loading in your okay. in, the, in your area? Right. Now I know the weather has changed recently, whatever. But we've had we had at the time a lot of negotiations that sprung about snow loadings, as in we don't have any. We don't need what, them. You know, <laughs> yeah. and they were saying no, no, no. What, what are the snow loading criteria? And we're just saying like not enough to make snowballs. Right. Now I know things have changed in the last couple of years. Yeah. But the wind loading then. Um, it, we got from uh, Met Aaron okay. wind loading charts for Ireland. So mm-hmm. if it's in Cork, it's a particular meters per second wind loading that the building has to be designed for. Uh, and uh, again, Sprung, going back to the, the the genesis of their buildings, you know, they're putting them up in places where you get hurricane force winds. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, and by that I mean both northern Canada. 
the southern states of America, Florida, which get hit very regularly by hurricanes. Mm. And these buildings have been hit by the eyes of hurricanes. Wow. And because of the aerodynamic shape of the building, ah. and also because the buildings are designed to move in high winds. So when the hit wind hits it, a very strong gust of wind yeah. hits a sprung building, it actually is designed to move. And that takes all of the pressure off of the wind hitting the building. Okay. If a hurricane force wind hits a conventional building or a tree, yeah. something has to give. Either the tree or the building falls over yeah. or the wind bounces off the block yeah. work. Um, but what makes a lot of buildings fall down in hurricanes is because the force of the wind is, exceeds the strength of the wall. Whereas with a sprung building, because of the aerodynamic shape, mm. the, uh, the wind hits it. And it, it actually performs the same kind of function as a spoiler in a car. And nice. actually, there's more downward pressure than upward pressure. Oh. So, uh, so the buildings are designed to move side to side, uh, marginally, but in in very strong gusts of wind. Wow. Uh, but that's what makes them. That's what gives them their strength. Oh, you had to learn a lot. You had to. Well, yeah. <laughs> you had to learn a lot while you were becoming a dinosaur promoter. Well, they, well exactly. Well yeah. a, um, okay, so we've got. To, you, you, so, to some extent, then you needed to be in on the spec of the foundations. Yeah, yeah sorry. Let me just. Sorry, yeah. I'm very long winded. Way I haven't uh-huh. answered your question. But basically, uh, based on wherever the building is going to go, yeah. Sprung will supply. Um, a loadings for the building which would be given to the engineer right. so this will show this is the type of foundation that you need to build for this building Perfect. now we have a number of generic specs yeah. based on the span of the building yeah it almost never varies from that because that okay. are, that's what's designed. Yeah. Okay, so you arrive on scene, Sprung is, has it all spec'd out so that the people putting in the foundations know exactly what they've got to do yes. and all the specs. So then what happens? You arrive to a site that have foundations poured and it's, let's say, it was January 2011. Yes, January 2011. Right? 2012, sorry. Yeah. And then what happens? Okay, so the building, uh, that particular building arrived in two 40-foot containers. Right. They're, they're, they're manufactured in Canada yeah. and they're shipped across uh, by sea. Right. So they arrive, uh, sprung as a company. It's like uh, a circus arriving right. in yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun to ask. Except, except they don't leave. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so basically, um, sprung um, send over, or included as part of the, the price, mm-hmm. is a technical consultant. Yeah. So they have maybe 20 or 25 men and their sole job is to travel around the world, overseeing the erection of the buildings right. on, on site. Right. So they we unload the containers. He does a stock check to make sure everything is there. Yeah. And then... Um, so is he included in the packing or is he flown over from somewhere? No, no, he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, doesn't, matter, he doesn't pop out of the container. <laughs> right. no, he, he, gets a, he has a flight. Right. Um, and um, so in that for that particular job, um, the requirement was... Eight men yeah. for 32 working days. That right. was what was specified, plus various pieces of equipment, um, uh, scissor lifts, boom lifts, a crane for a couple of days. Uh, and so you get a shopping list of what's going to be needed to put this up. Yes, well, I just know from experience yes. what's required. Okay. So the contractor who was on site yeah. um, uh, had labour. Right. So the, the labour had been put in the foundation. Yeah. Then they had downtime. So we yeah. would say to the, the contractor, and this is, happens in every job, yeah. look, you know, we need eight men here. Yeah. We need them for X amount of time. Give us a rate per man per day. Yeah. And then we would we would pay him to provide the labour to okay. work on site because right. we don't have labour per se. Right. So the uh, the arches are assembled flat in the ground, mm-hmm. a bit like a mechano sec. They're bolted together using yeah. splice plates and things like that. Then they're lifted into a vertical position by the crane. Yeah. Uh, and there are a series of spring-loaded cross beams that attach one arch to the next arch yeah so you, you lift the skeleton of the frame up mm-hmm. 
a and so there's generally the billing comes with two rounded ends. So you have the, okay. the, the whole frame up. Now that takes maybe two days when wow. it put the frame up. Right. At that point, um, uh, each arch has um, uh, a channel either side of it. Mm-hmm. And the fabric that goes both on the outside and on the inside has a thickened cord either side mm-hmm. of it. So an individual piece of fabric slides from one side of the, the frame up over the top of the frame mm-hmm. and down the other side. Right. Okay, so you have your external fabric. We put in 240 mil of fiberglass insulation right. and the interior liner. Yeah. So you have a building which is up and the fabric is all very loose. Yeah. Okay. So what what we do is in the base plate of each arch has two pre-drilled holes. Yeah. And we what we would do is when the foundation has been designed, yeah. we get an engineer out uh, to identify uh, using a laser exactly where the two pre-drilled holes for every base plate all the way around the periphery of the building have to be. And we pre-drill those holes. Okay. okay? So the centre arch is going to be sitting over the two pre-drilled holes and we bolt that in place. Okay, we won't get... Thank you. Okay, that's that's great. And we won't continue cause it's going with ex- all that type okay, of detail. detail but what I'm wondering is, if I... So I'm assuming you've, you've got your frame up now and you've yes. got your tent, your first membrane stretched over, but it's all a bit floppy. Yes. But when I... The structure I saw did yes. not look floppy. Yes. It looked nearly like solid. Yes. What is that the outer membrane then? Yeah, okay. So that, I was just going to come on. Yeah. I mean, this, and, and, and actually, this is the important... Part yeah. of it, whatever. So if you just bear with me on yeah. the technical, it only takes a little mm-hmm. bit of a while. So the, the um, with most other framed membrane structures, and there are a lot of them in the market. Okay. You put the frame up. Yeah. You anchor the frame, bolt everything mm-hmm. out. Then you try and put the fabric in. Mm-hmm. But in order to get the fabric in, it has to be slightly wider than the channels is going into. Otherwise, yeah. you never get it in. Yeah. That way, you, you if you see a lot of other structures, the, the external fabric is always clacking around. Okay? Yeah. Okay. What 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 um. Uh, Phil Sprung Senior, so he was in the engineer that designed or invented yeah. this product. What he decided to do was, you put up the frame, you put in your internal, um, sorry, mm-hmm. external, internal, and insulation. You anchor the center arch, mm-hmm. and then the, sp- the the cross beams that have attached one arch to the other have a spring mechanism in them. So from the inside, you cut a little access panel, and you do what the Canadians call you jack out the building. So that means that using a sort of hydraulic pump, mm-hmm. you move. So you have one arch cent- uh, anchored in the centre and the adjacent arch is moved 12 centimetres from its untensioned position to its tensioned position. Okay. So the whole exterior fabric of the building mm. is, is tensioned out as one. Right. And then when you get over the, t- the next set of two, bre- two yeah. pre-drilled holes, you basically bolt everything out. So the outside is as, as taut as a drum. Wow. Again, coming back to northern Canada, it has to be able to shed snow. It has to be able to deflect wind. And if there's any... Um, looseness in the fabric the building would get ripped to pieces in those types of climates okay. so the outside of the sprung building is is is, is tensioned up to 1500 pounds per square inch so it's like it's like a tambourine okay wow so if someone comes along with their protractor or the compass and wants to stick it in the side of this building which effectively looks like a tent you're telling me it isn't really acting like a tent it's well, the, the the fabric itself is. Uh, if the fabric came down to the ground, it certainly would be vulnerable. Yeah. And when we brought these buildings into Ireland, first of all, um, in the early two thousands, we realised that you know that um, uh, a building wouldn't last until lunchtime before at a school before somebody was wondering could they put their compass through it. Yeah. So what we did was we got Sprung to send over. 
two arches yeah. uh, and, and one of their standard double doors to Kingspan's head office up in Kings Court in County Cavan yeah. to work out how to incorporate a Kingspan architectural wall panel system, yeah. which is a steel, an insulated steel wall system in with the Sprung building. So we now, as standard, uh, include uh, a steel wall architectural panel system from Kingspan yeah. that goes up the first 2.6 to 3 metres, which is, okay. we call it, 10 to 12 feet. So, and it eliminates what I refer to as recreational vandalism. Okay, so basically up to 12 feet high, your metal. It's a, it's a steel wall it's steel system, water. and then the fabric starts okay. at that point. so how long did this thing take? We've got the structures up now, we've got the aluminium frames and the arches, mm-hmm. we've done our vacuuming and we've yeah. uh, put in our steel wall, and we started on the, say, 12th of January. Mm. When are we done? Well, in that particular instance... Um, we started on the 12th of January and we had anticipated it would take 32 working days to put up that building. Yeah. Now, as it happened, the contractor had a, a team of extremely good men Great. and it actually took 22 working days, which right. was nearly a record for Sprung right. for that size of a building. So we started on the 12th of January and the school ran summer camps in it in, the sum- in that summer. So July kind of time. Uh, the contractor had got in earlier than he anticipated. Mm-hmm. He had built out... Um, inside there are changing rooms there's yeah you were telling me it sounds very glamorous so they have because it's a big rugby school they want to be able to let their lads train I suppose all winter long and you have, they have a rugby tactics room am I giving away any trade secrets no no not at all yes. I mean they, they have inside the building they, they wanted I mean obviously the, the main thing is the hall so yeah. they have a very large sports hall which is uh, suitable for national standard basketball right. rugby training it's also lined out for badminton volleyball yeah. they have cricket nets in it as well okay they also then have built out of conventional they have uh, changing rooms uh, toilets medical rooms uh, rooms for the uh, the PE teachers which look out onto the hall so they have their office there that they can they can run their classes and their schedule yeah there's a lift uh, and stairs bringing you upstairs a huge mezzanine level with uh, just an enormous number of free weights uh, for uh, for you know training and for rugby training right. uh, and is it plumbed for bathrooms or well, toilets yeah. and showers everything oh, right. is absolutely everything. state of the art right. I mean it's it's, um, it's, an, it's an amazing job now we, we weren't involved in the internal build out of the yes. design the contractor did all yeah. of that but the school and the PE teachers would have identified what they needed and wanted uh, and um uh, you know it's I mean, it would be our flagship uh, okay uh, so they, they, you started in January and you were up and done by the end of January is that fair well, to our, say? Our, our, structure, our structure was done by the end of January start of February right, and, then uh, and the main contractor got in and he started working uh, like pretty much immediately okay. uh, and uh, he got through his work very quickly and the idea was that they, they were hoping to, to run summer camps in it yeah. and, and that was, and that was achieved yeah. and am I also right in thinking that they won the junior and senior cup uh well, I wouldn't like to. Uh, I wouldn't like to draw any uh, inferences from oh, the fact yes. that we had a we had a sprung structure up and then won the double senior and junior cup the following year. But yeah. I was I did point that out to the principal. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, Francis, thank you. I, I, we've had a, a romp through that curious-looking building, and it's certainly a really striking story of from dinosaurs in Bahrain to birthday cakes and rugby cup men. So, thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you, Bethany.